Stand Up with Pete Dominic. With Pete Dominic. On Indy, Sirius XM 104. Welcome back to the conversation. Happy April Fool's Day. We're not doing any April Fool's jokes. Sorry. I'm sure somebody on Sirius XM in the morning is doing something zany and fantastic and elaborate that'll shock you and, and then uh, irritate you for the rest of the day. Thank you very much for tuning in to Stand Up. I'm Pete Dominic on Twitter, at Pete Dominic, joined by my producers, Alfred Schultz, Melanie Starling, Chris Hosseld. Our intern is Jackie Kelleher on the phones. Give us a call, 866-994-6343. Hope you had a great weekend and an awesome Easter Sunday and other things that need to be said. Uh, but let's get to our next guest, because we want, we've been there's been a lot of talk about 3D printers. Just now in my conversation with Adam Winkler on guns, I mentioned, you know, people will be able to print guns on 3D printers. It's something that we wanted to try to get ahead of, and maybe we're not even getting ahead of it. Maybe we're behind. Uh, certainly, I don't know much about this, because, but it, it's got to be one of the most important product innovations in recent memory. Joining us now is someone who is an expert on it, can tell us all about it. He's a vice president at Public Knowledge and author of It Will Be Awesome If They Don't Screw It Up, 3D Printing and Intellectual Property and the Fight Over the Next Great Disruptive Technology. And his name is Michael Weinberg. Mr. Weinberg, welcome to the conversation. Thank you so much for having me. So compare the technology of 3D printing with something in the past in terms of how you think it is going to revolutionize the way that we live our lives. Well, when you're talking about 3D printing, you're talking about something that can transform a formerly analog process into a digital process, and that's the making of things. And uh, we all know what has happened before when we have analog things uh, and turn them into digital things that you know, happened with the first round of the Internet and all the things that were easy to distribute online. And so with 3D printing, you can see a world where all of a sudden it becomes easy for people to make things and then distribute things without actually having to have a factory at their fingertips. So, but I mean, I mean, is there anything, is there any other product out there? I mean, is it, will it have as much of an effect as on our lives as, as, as a phone did, as cable television or the internet did? I mean, I feel like, I'm not going to have to go out and get things. Certainly not little widgets. Like I keep thinking, uh, I keep thinking about uh, like Ikea and uh, like, I'm not very good at repairing things, Mr. Weinberg. I can't, but if I need this or that little, you know, little peg or, or little things like that, little parts, or even if you needed a small tool, like a wrench, you'd be able to print that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there is, there is kind of a question as to what, regular person access to 3D printing means, but if you have a 3D printer at home, it is absolutely not crazy to think about downloading and printing out replacement parts. I mean, there are already companies who make their replacement part files available online, and you can download the file and print it out at home instead of getting it shipped from Europe or wherever else they are. Now, I mean... There's just so many questions about, I think, about 3D printers that people are so are so concerned with as well. I mean, you can look at this and be like, this is going to be awesome for my life. Or you can look at it and say, this is going to be the thing that ends up killing me or my business, right? I mean, what are the pros and cons as you see it? Yeah, I mean, look, 3D printing is a general purpose technology, which means it can be used for, for good things and for bad things. Um, but it's certainly a technology that can change the way we operate. And so on one hand, you think to yourself as a consumer, this is great. I instead of having to go to all these stores, 
I can just browse the internet, pick the thing I want at, you know, an iTunes of things sort of thing and download it. On the other hand, if you are a manufacturer, you may be thinking, but, but what I do is I make things and I ship things to people. Won't this force me to change my business? And the answer is maybe, but it also has a huge opportunity. I mean, if you are in the widget business right now, you're spending a huge amount of money on a factory, on warehousing, on transportation. If you can transfer some of those costs into a kind of a virtual world in the digital space, that means you can get rid of some of those costs, and maybe it's an opportunity. So the real challenge for industry and for companies is to see this technology and figure out the best way to react to it to make money instead of trying to say, well, let's freeze innovation and let's just stop anything from changing in the way that we do our business. So you're, you're mainly positive on this. You're mainly bullish on this. But what I mean, but you also are, are very interested in intellectual property and copyright law and an expert on those as well. But what if I've... What if I've invented something? What if I've invented uh, some kind of a widget, some kind of a, par, a part that, you know, through my education and through my investment and through my hard work, I have uh, I've gotten copyrighted. And, and uh, I'm very proud of that. I'm going to make a lot of money on it now. Uh, but you just get a hold of one of them and you, you run off about, you know, as many as you want off your printer and uh, I don't get anything for it. You never need to pay me a cent. I worry yeah, about I that. Sure. I mean, it's, and it's the same sort of thing. I mean, you have to keep in mind, of course, that it is possible. We see physical things copied all the time, right? We see, we see, we see knockoffs of physical things uh, coming from all sorts of places. And so it's not sort of new in a conceptual way. But certainly if you are someone who invented a new thing and you say, okay, now there's 3D printing, how am I going to see this technology? Am I going to see it as a great opportunity? Because now if it's just me, I can upload it and distribute it to people really easily without having to have, uh, you know, a garage or a warehouse full of things. Or am I going to say, oh, this means that people can take it away from me? I mean, uh, there's, there, there are people already who a lot of uh, jewelry designers have embraced this technology. And what it means for them is instead of having to design a bunch of, of different pieces of jewelry, buy hundred, a thousand of them so they can get them made, keep them, and then try and market them and hope they picked right, what they can do now is they take those 50 designs, put them up on the website. If people buy them, they get made on demand. If they don't buy them, then they're not really out any money. They don't have a garage full of boxes they need to figure out what to do with. So, again, the challenge, I don't, I don't want to say that it's absolutely 100% positive, but the challenge for everyone is to say, okay, well, if this technology is real, I need to deal with that, and I need to come to terms with it and figure out the best way to make money, even if it's a different way from making money than in the past. So uh, we're talking about 3D printing, the technology, and, and what it all means. We're talking with Michael Weinberg, who is vice president at Public Knowledge and author of It'll Be Awesome If They Don't Screw It Up, 3D Printing Intellectual Property in the Fight Over the Next Great Disruptive Technology. So I go out to uh, the Consumer Electronics Show every year because I, I get hired to perform at a, for, uh, for Verizon. So I don't, I'm not a nerd, uh, which is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. I wish I were. But the point is, I don't really understand emerging technology. I'm pretty good at, you know, getting the new the new uh, iPhone five and and all that, uh, Mike. But the the biggest crowd at CES that I saw that I saw was surrounding this small booth that had 3D printers that showed them on display uh, making things like the busts of famous, you know, the founding fathers or a baseball or whatever they were making. So the question is, if that's the Consumer Electronics Show 2013. 
Where are we at with this technology? Who's responsible for it? Is this a uh, an Apple thing, a Microsoft thing? Who's developing these printers? Who's developing that technology? When will it be available for for our own consumer home use? For me to sit here in my studio with a three D printer to print out, let's say uh, any any uh, sex toy I want. How about that to make it exciting? <laughs> Well, we're, we're at an interesting place in the technology. Um, there's, a, there's a whole bunch of home 3D printers that are on the market. Um, there are probably at this point over 10 different companies. And then there's an, actually an open source project called RepRap that is trying to make people build it at home and develop it in an open way. And all of these companies are trying to bring 3D printers to market for less than you know about $2,000, maybe as little as $500. So those machines that print in plastic that is like a Lego kind of plastic, that's available today. But one of the things that people don't realize about this technology is it's actually over 20 years old. It's just been hiding out for the last 20 years in design labs and manufacturing centers and places like that. That technology, if you want to spend, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars on a 3D printer, you can get things that print in metal, print in all sorts of colors, and so the question now, because that sector is dominated by a different set of companies, the question now is how interested are those companies that frankly own a lot of patents in the technology, how interested are they in moving into the consumer world, and how good are the consumer companies going to be at innovating and convincing those companies to come in with them? So today you can absolutely get a 3D printer that can print all sorts of fantastic things basically in one material at that plastic material. Um, it'll be interesting over the next couple of years to see how more materials migrate out of a, a high-end design lab. You know, if you were designing for Apple, you probably had access to a 3D printer for years and into somebody's home. So, okay, so right now these, these are, you know, available for consumers from $2,500. They print in plastic. What, what is... So, so my printer cartridge is some kind of liquid plastic, and 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 uh, what what can I make? What is the what is the range of product? How elaborate of a you know can I make a a, a giant model of a genome or some kind of? And what's the most? I can't even think of something elaborate sculpture wise. Uh, uh, you know, can I build a carburetor? Can I build a pistol? Can I build the inner workings uh, of things? What, what, how elaborate can we get right now? And is it only in plastic uh, that's available to consumers? I, I think you just answered that actually. Yeah, it's only in plastic. The, yeah, your 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 cartridge is actually it's like a spool of plastic uh, thread, and that's what goes into the machine. And in terms okay. of what you can make, there's a huge amount of, of variation. One of the interesting things about 3D printing, if you're an actual kind of manufacturing person, is that it allows you to print nested pieces. So instead of having to have a bunch of separate pieces you put together, you can actually print them kind of pre-connected. But if you want to go, I mean, if you really want to get a sense, uh, I know this is, this is radio, but if you want to get a sense of what people are doing with their home 3D printers, there's this website called Thingiverse where people put up all of the different designs of the things that they are doing with home 3D printers. So you see stuff from, uh, you know, from little uh, octopuses with people's face on them to, uh, to, to model engines, to replacement parts for things around the house, uh, to brackets and things for, for projects. I mean, one of, the, one of the interesting things about looking at 3D printing is that people take the technology in all sorts of crazy directions. I mean, there's a guy, uh, there's a guy who's a post 
a postdoc at the University of Pennsylvania who has modified a 3D printer, one of the cheap ones, one of the five or $600 ones, to print in sugar. And he uses that to help build a skin cell so he can start growing skin. So people he, are taking he, this technology prints, in all sorts of crazy directions. His, his, uh, the, pr- the, the, the medium that he uses is, uh, is sugar? Yeah, so, so it turns out if you are a bioengineer, um, it is pretty easy to grow skin cells that are in kind of super thin sheets, maybe a couple of cells thick. But when you get, when you get sheets that are thicker than that, the problem is you can't get nutrients to the cells in the middle of the sheet. And the way that nature deals with that is through blood vessels. And so what this guy does is he prints out very elaborate blood vessels in sugar and then takes those and puts them in an auger. The skin cells attach to the auger, to, 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 the, to, the, to, the, to the sugar, and then he pulls it out, gets rid of the sugar, and pumps blood through it, and it has a living kind of blob of tissue. And then he can also use the technology to print very elaborate sugar sculptures for, like, dinner parties or things like that. So people oh are taking God. the technology in all sorts of weird directions because it is pretty open at this point. I, I know a lot of people have questions. 866-994-6343. We're talking about the potential and capabilities uh, that uh, that we're now going to have in our lives with this new technology of 3D printing. And, and there are so many questions about it. Right now we've got uh, one of the foremost experts on the technology, Michael Weinberg, who's vice president of public knowledge. Uh, on Twitter, by the way, at mweinbergpk. Let me go to Jen. She's in North Carolina. Jen, you're on stand-up with uh, Michael Weinberg. Go ahead. Hey, Pete. Thanks for taking my call. Mm-hmm. Um, my biggest question with this is what is this going to do to you know, the economy? What is this going to do to jobs, all of these things that you're going to be making at home that used to be made in factories? What are all those people going to do for work now? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a reasonable question. And the answer, the real answer is that it's too early to tell because there are a lot of different ways you can see this technology being adopted by people, and each one of those ways has a different impact. But I think assuming that people get wide access to it and embrace it, what it probably ends up doing is it shifts the focus of some jobs because obviously uh, for a while it's going to take a long time before I have a 3D printer that can print something like an iPhone. Um, but also, you know, you have – you still need people who are making these machines. You still need distribution of these machines. And then you have a whole new group of people who are being paid to design things for these machines and think of different applications. So uh, I'm, I'm not trying to dodge the question, but I think that it's, it's going to be a slow process as this technology kind of moves out into the economy. And the ripple effects are hard to predict from here. But it's certainly something that is very worth keeping an eye on because you could see it having a huge impact on things like the manufacturing sector and even bringing manufacturing jobs that are now overseas back into the U.S. Uh, what, what about the idea that, that you know, government at every level can, can, should, should or can or should regulate the use of these printers. Uh, we, you know, everybody is talking a lot about guns and 3D printers. Everybody's seen videos of guns being made with 3D printers. I mean, you, you, you're going to be able to make things that are, are illegal or not all right for certain people to own or, or purchase, and, but you're going to be able to make them in the privacy of your own home. You could, you could make any kind of drug paraphernalia. You could make 
uh, almost anything that's that's not organic, and it sounds like you can make some organic things as well. Do you think there should be uh, regulations from government put on what you can uh, make on a 3D printer? I'm very reluctant to move towards a space of regulation. And what I tell, we're, we're based in Washington, and what I tell policymakers when we're talking about 3D printing is there, you're going to see a lot of stories about 3D printing X with an exclamation mark, and people are kind of shocked. And as a, as a policymaker, as a regulator, the first question you need to ask yourself when you see that story is, was this possible before 3D printers? So you talk about, you know, you talk about guns, you talk about drug paraphernalia, People have been making guns at, in their home for an awful long time. People have been making drug paraphernalia in their home for an awful long time. 3D printing may change how easy that is to do, but it certainly doesn't change that fundamental dynamic. And so the first question you say to yourself is, okay, how are we handling this before 3D printing? And does 3D printing change that? And right now, I don't know that 3D printing fundamentally changes the fact that people have tools in their house that they can use to make things. It doesn't mean it's not worth paying attention to, but the rush to regulate could really have a lot of cost for not a lot of benefit because it probably wouldn't actually work to stop people from doing all the things that you'd be worried about with the 3D printer. But it would make it a lot harder for the next person who wants to say, hey, I want to modify this 3D printer so I can print in sugar to do bioengineering to be able to do it. Uh, I mean, I, I just... I... I want to support all new technology, but but a lot of people have some pretty valid concerns, and, and we've uh, we've raised a number of those uh, right here with our guest. And you know, when we look at these these printers, I the other thing that we can we we're concerned about like the dangerous weapons and so on, but you're also concerned about some of the nanotechnology which is still developing. Are these printers like are are, are they high tech enough right now to build very very tiny little things as well? No, we're not talking about the kind of the nanoscale technologies. There are folks who are who are thinking about building things as sort of the next generation of 3D printers. I mean that next generation, like big generation, using the same concept uh, to move there. But no one has access to that in the home. Very few people have access to that in the lab, and it doesn't doesn't work uh, super well yet. It's a very interesting area of research. But if 3D printers are, are kind of a long way off, that nano engineering is even further off. So what about this one? On, not happening. What about this one uh, from a caller in Michigan, Shankar? You're on, Shankar. How are you, pal? I'm doing great, Pete. How are you? Great. Thanks for calling. What's your question? Yeah, my question is I work in the automotive industry. Um, so we have had studio lithography for quite some time, like the expert said, and we've used them to make parts so that we can use them in design studies and sometimes even doing stress analysis to see how the parts will work. Um, my question is how different is the technology in these home printers as compared to those STL or stereolithography? And number two, it looks like already a scientist is using organic material to make stuff. So the, the immediate next step for me is when will doctors be able to make, say, bones um, or, or even organs you know, someday maybe they, do you think they, they'll be able to make a heart out of these printers? Where do you think we're yeah. at with, with, with that? I mean, could I replicate myself with a 3D printer? I mean, the answer I would imagine is no, because you can't replicate perfection. But go ahead and give it a shot, Mike. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I hate to break your heart, but I think um, there, are, is, is, there are certainly a lot of people 
who are looking at 3D printing and other uh, bioengineering technologies to be able to make bones and to be able to make organs. I think that we are we're a pretty long way off from that point. Um, there's there are a lot of interesting experiments happening, but no one's going to be downloading a new liver anytime soon. Although a guy uh, so, did have like part of his skull replaced with a 3D printed plate, right? Yeah, absolutely. We're seeing that uh, we're seeing it being used in a lot of spaces like that. So uh, the FDA just approved the first uh, 75% skull replacement. There's a woman who had a, a jaw replaced with 3D printing. And the beauty of the technology there is because 3D printing, everything that comes off that printer is customized. They can give you a jaw. They can give you a skull that it looks like what yours looked like before whatever happened to lose that material, but it's part of a larger process. They're talking about, you know, building a, printing a scaffolding that they then graft bone onto. It's not just sort of like a plug and play new bone or anything like that. But it's definitely being used. I mean, look, materials uh, that are being used in these printers, like you said, people make brackets out of these, but can they actually bear load? And can they carry? Can they bear a, uh, can they bear a load? Yeah, I mean, how uh, depending on what kind of material I suppose they they use and and how big of a product uh, they could create. I mean, can they build a bridge? Yeah, I mean, there are actually there are people who are using the technology and they're experimenting the technology uh, to build houses and, and to three D print in concrete. And so we see that you can make all sorts of interesting organic shapes with 3D printing. You could also imagine an application of 3D printed houses in a disaster area where you want to just manufacture a bunch of dwellings very, very quickly to just get people inside houses. And there are people who are thinking of you when we were talking about the nanoscale earlier. This is kind of the other end of the spectrum of, of building an entire house with a 3D printer and just being able to roll it out to people. So there are a lot of, a lot of interesting thinking going on right now about the application for 3D printing, and uh, it has almost as many options as you can imagine. Shankar, thank you as always. Bob in Pennsylvania, one, one more question for our guest, uh, Michael Weinberg, who is MWeinbergPK on Twitter, by the way. Go ahead, Bob. Yeah, I was just wondering, I mean, you guys are talking about, like, bridges and houses and things like that. I'm wondering about... Because like, uh, the other week you guys were talking about like Mickey Mouse and patents like that. I mean, what if I set up a printing studio and started making like copyright Mickey Mouse toys or other patented items? Do you yeah, think we we I think they're gonna start like lobbying against making. Yeah, I don't know if you just joined us, but I, it was one of the first questions. Uh, well, we, ah we, man, yeah, I feel like an idiot then. No, you don't feel like an idiot. Why? Because you did you hear did you hear from the beginning of the interview? No, no, I must. Well, then you're not an idiot because it's a fantastic question. It's one of the first questions I got. You take that insult back, Bob. Fantastic. All right. I'll take it back then, Pete. All right. You're a smart guy. But we, we did talk about that. And I would, you know, his question, um, let, let, let's revisit it from the point of view of who's lobbying for, who's lobbying against this technology, Mike? I think we're in a fortunate situation right now where no one is standing up and saying, this is a horrible technology that needs to be stopped. Um, no one is walking into their member of Congress's office and saying, this pirate box is ruining my business. And so, and, but a lot of people are saying this is a very interesting technology. Maybe this can bring manufacturing back to the U.S. A lot of people like it in terms of uh, science and engineering education. Uh, educators love this technology. So we're actually right now trying to put together uh, as many positive stories to bring to Congress. And so members of Congress, their first contact with 3D printing is a really positive contact. So they begin to understand that if you were to regulate the technology, 
it would have real costs. But right now we're in we're in a little bit of a honeymoon phase where it's such a, a neat technology to think about and to see in person that you really you, you love it once you see it. We're actually doing an event if you're in Washington uh, at the end of April, April 24th, to bring it all to Washington so you can see this technology in person and let members of Congress just see what we're talking about. Because you can talk about it until you're blue in the face, but once you see it, you've really seen it. Well, it really is a fascinating issue and, and subject. It's definitely uh, already affecting our lives, and you may or may not know it, uh, some of the things that you probably own. Are, are, is it true? I mean, do I have things in my home probably right now that are made on 3D printer and I just don't know about it, Mike? Mm, you might, or might have not something with, uh, in your home, but if you've flown on one of the new uh, Boeing Dreamliner airplanes, you've flown an airplane that has parts with that, has, that were 3D printed. And probably well, it's funny, man. Things in your home I, ha- I have one of those at my home. So. Oh, well, so there you go. So the, yeah. the newer airplane that you have in your home, not the older one that you have, right. but the newer one. You got to do you got to do more research on the programs you're going in on, Mike. I mean, I've, I've got a very large home with uh, quite I, a few. I apologize. Th- that was quite presumptuous. Yes, that was. I've got the the Dreamliner, and uh, I've I've got things in my nightstand that I could imagine uh, may have been built on that as well. The fighter jet um, too also had the three D printer. It had three D printed parts. Yeah. So when when can I build a a, a bust of uh, of my head or someone who I've lost that I want to be able to still hold and look at in a three D way, like a a cat that I that died when I was little. I mean, can it? I I actually think, as morbid as that sounds, that that's going to be a, a big industry. Uh, that that someone died and that you could just easily build their bust and put it on your desk or something or a or even creepy uh, creepier in in bed next to you. Oh yeah, well you can already do that. Uh, the folks at Smithsonian have taken the Abraham Lincoln death mask and have three D printed it. You can get your face three D scanned for five dollars and you have the scan. And the best part, because the digital file, once you have a three D scan of your face, you can then graft it onto anything you want. So if you want an eagle with your face on it or an octopus with your face on it, or a car with your face on it, you can just sort of put your, take your face, plop it on there, and print it out. Oh, there's a lot of potential for comedy here, right? I mean, like, if it's not that expensive, uh, if it's not that expensive, then I would, you know, I'd put my face on all kinds of horrific things and give it away as gifts. There you go. There you go. I love it. I love it. I love it from that angle. Well, listen, this is obviously a fascinating issue. We appreciate you joining us today, Mike. Michael Weinberg, uh, he is the author of It'll Be Awesome If They Don't Screw It Up, 3D Printing, Intellectual Property, and the Fight Over the Next Great Disruptive Technology. Before you let you go, what is your big concern? Who are the they, and how can they screw it up? What, what is the most obvious thing that you see uh, someone screwing up to ruin it for everybody? I think it's going to be somebody who is in the, the, the plastic parts business who sees this technology and decides that they don't want to be forced to change the way they do business. And so instead of learning from the music industry and trying to find a way to embrace it, they spend a lot of time and money trying to sue the technology out of existence. But it's not clear who that's going to be, and I'm hopeful that it's never anyone. Well, there you go. Michael Weinberg on Twitter at MWeinbergPK. Michael, thanks so much for joining us today. Great stuff. Really interesting, and uh, maybe we'll meet you in D.C. at the end of the month. Yeah, come on down. Thank you so much. Absolutely. All right, there you go. 3D printers, everybody. I learned a lot. Hopefully you learned a lot. You know, we, we definitely want to pick issues that are going to affect your life, that do affect your life, that will affect your life. There's no doubt that the 3, 3D printer is one of those issues. I mean— you know, guys, as we talked about that, 
Uh, I asked everybody before that interview, because I'd done a, a good amount of research on it, watched a TED Talk, and I read some articles, and obviously looked in there and guessed, but it's like, I don't even know what questions to ask. I, I, I'm not even sure if I like this or if I'm really concerned about this, because you know, you have some of the obvious concerns about weapons and so on, but then, then there, it's got to be a very convenient thing as well. I think the the call, the first caller, Jen, asked the best question about what it means for for jobs. Alfred, you're always worried about that. Uh, we all are, but you always bring that up that technology is going to replace um, uh, human beings more and more to the point where uh, there will be no more jobs. Well, right? I'm less worried about. I, I don't know if it's worried. It's just the fact that there needs to be an innovation soon that we're not even thinking of that I think needs to happen, and it's it's an exciting prospect. Whenever there is a problem, it's room for innovation, and so I think it's it's a fun problem to have, but I think it's still a huge problem. I wish there could be like a should be you good. could print out a new producer. Yeah, um, you know. A more clear-spoken one. I mean, come on, Christopher. I, I better, low blow. My problem with this is that this seems to me like, and I'm, uh, by the way, guys, I'm a real paranoid kind of guy, and I hate big industry and uh, class things, but this is a thing where I think that, like, Microsoft or, like, uh, Ikea or some, somebody's going to commodify this, put it in everybody's home, and it, it seems now like a wild frontier where we can kind of, it's like, we can do anything, but it's going to become the kind of thing where it's like, oh, paying five ninety five, printing out some plates for the dinner party. Like, it's going to become so mundane and controlled and just another thing that we're paying for. Yeah, but isn't that sort of exciting about it in a way? We, w we want this technology. Well, that also answers the question that Albert has. If we're paying for it, it means it's going to somebody's pocket, which is good for the economy. I mean, I and with the way you described that, though, too, Chris, it was like yesterday we were painting eggs in our secular Easter celebration. And my wife goes, we got to have some some disposable cups or something. We, we try not to keep most of that stuff in our house. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but uh, yeah, I found some old plastic bowls. But if I didn't have that, I would have had to use, like, Tupperware. And uh, and I should have done that because I'm uh, trying to be more environmental. But it would have stained it and blah, blah, blah. That was a horrifically long story to get the point that you just made. If you don't have them and people are coming print over, you out. can print them out. And what if you could print them out and they have a, a biodegradability factor? So you print That's what out, I was wondering. And and or you could recycle them. You could right. melt it down and yeah. put it back in your printer. Right. Or something. I mean, there's a lot of uh, alternatives here. I just, I just don't want to see it become this privatized kind of thing where it's like, you know, buy the, buy the plan, and you can, like. I want to see be able, people to always be able to to create and do things on these home printers, not you know have to put in your product key and and uh, you know, and uh, there you go. Uh, Someone's <laughs> stomach just growl. Did it? That nah, wasn't mine. Oh, I thought I heard something. Did I make a throat noise? Oh. There's uh, the maybe. opposite of having a growl. Maybe mine did that, I mean, but it I, certainly did not. I, I think uh, I just my, did to Chris what you guys constantly do to me, and I just he kept talking. I just started reading something. <laughs> I mean, like, my thought this? died completely on it. And then I heard his thought die, and I was like, "Ooh, Chris is wrapping up. Mm, I better get back to the conversation." <laughs> the hell he's saying. But, you think uh, we do that to you all the time? <laughs> oh, I'm positive. Ooh, I'm that positive. injury is bad. Wow. The entire audience huh? does that to me. Um, okay, let's. Uh, nobody's going to do it to our next guest, though. How about that for a segue? We'll uh, see. Matt about that. Taibbi of Rolling Stone is about to join us. We're going to talk about the three strikes law in, uh, in California and in his piece on that, as well as everything else that Matt Taibbi is writing about, talking about. The great Matt Taibbi when we come back from a quick commercial break.